What is this? Are you trying to trick me? Oh, great. What else could go wrong today? Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am GamerDude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today I've got another remastered episode for you. I'm recording this between Thanksgiving and Christmas in 2023. And I was going to do an episode about pulling out the Christmas decorations, talking about that period of time between Christmas and Thanksgiving. And as I started to record, I said, you know, I think I've told these stories before. And I guess that's the risk of doing the podcast and telling stories for six years. You find yourself going back to the same stories you've already told. And so rather than retell the stories, which I know I've done several times in several episodes over the course of the years, but rather than retell these stories, I figured I'd just remaster the episode from season one where I told the stories about my Christmas decor memories from childhood. So that's what we've got for you today. Oh, and by the way, I do lead off with a story about my dad's Christmas star. Just kind of an update to that story. I have actually rewired that star. I tried to use it with the lights my dad put on it, and it kept shorting out, I guess because the lights were so old. So I have brand new lights on it, and I actually used it last year. And I'll be using it again this year, just so you know. Anyway, if you haven't heard these stories before, I hope you enjoy them. And if you did hear them before, I hope you enjoy them again. So here we go, the remastered Christmas decor episode. It's that period of time between Thanksgiving and Christmas when all the stuff is supposed to happen. I mean, we've been talking about Christmas now since mid-September. People have been running Christmas commercials just a little bit since September. But back in the day, Christmas really started. The Christmas season, the Christmas decorating, the Christmas shopping season really started around Thanksgiving time. And that month between Thanksgiving and Christmas was the period of time when everybody did all of the Christmas stuff. Now, if you've seen the movie A Christmas Story, that really captures the the spirit of the way things used to be. And for the longest time, they were that way. There was this wonder associated with Christmas. And yeah, there were gifts and there were lists and there was Santa and all that. But there was this wonder about decorating for the season and getting into the Christmas spirit, which was really kind of a gleeful, giddy feeling, especially when you're a kid. There was that giddy feeling, that glorious feeling, that, oh, Santa's coming feeling about Christmas. Now, when I was a kid, we always decorated at Christmas. We had our Christmas traditions, and I've tried to pass those on to my kids, too. Now, the Christmas traditions that we had were not huge when I was a kid. There were certain things that we did, and there were certain decorations that we brought out every year. And my dad always decorated the same way outside every year. And my mom always had the same things that she put around every year. And I remember them. We didn't have a lot, but we had those traditional decorations that we brought out. Now, outside decorations were never a big thing. My dad was not a big, lay the lights out there and let the neighborhood know it's Christmas kind of guy. He was very low-key with his decorations outside. He'd put a wreath on the door, for sure. Always a wreath. And for some reason, he always hung wreaths on the cars. Believe it or not, he found ways to hang plastic wreaths on the front of both cars. That was a thing for him. He needed to have the wreath on the car. The other big thing he did when we were kids was he had this giant floodlight. He mounted it right above the front door, and he would put this green floodlight bulb in that fixture every Christmas, starting around December 1st. And every night we'd flick on that light, and the whole front of the house was bathed in green. 
And it looked Christmassy and all that, but I always thought that red would have been a better color, and I always urged him to get a red floodlight to put it out front. And my mother always said, well, no, we can't put a red light out front. And I always asked her why, and she said, we just can't. We can't put a red light on the front of the house. It wasn't until years later that I learned that red lights on the front of a house were signs of a house of ill repute, brothels, and my mom didn't want the house looking like a brothel. If she'd have just said that to me, I would have understood it, but she was funny that way. Old gamer dude mom didn't want it to look like we were living in a brothel. So we had our green floodlight. That was our big decoration for many, many years. Now, after I moved out of the house, my dad had found at an auction a giant metal star. Now, when I say giant, I mean it's four feet across. And I know this because I still have it. I can't bring myself to part with it. But here's what he did. It's a star made out of pieces of iron that are screwed together in the shape of a star. And it is literally four feet across. So he bought this star at an auction. I don't know how much he paid for it, but he had the inspiration he was going to decorate the house with this star. And so he got lines and lines of white Christmas lights. And using electrical tape, he taped them all along the arms of the star. And then he had a long extension cord attached to it. And he would plug that in and he would hang that on a hook he put on the front of the house and using the extension cord would plug it in. And he had a four foot wide, four foot tall star blazing white on the front of the house. And for many years, that was his Christmas decoration. So between the green floodlight, which he always used, and the gigantic white star, you could always tell the house from literally miles away. And as I said, I still have that star. That was one of the things that I held on to. It's hanging on a hook in my garage because I don't have a place to hang it. I've tried. For years, I've tried to find a place to hang it. But do you know how big a four-foot star is? It's four feet wide. There are not a lot of four-feet wide spaces where you can hang a star on a condo. So it hangs in my garage, ready for the time that I can find a wall big enough to hang it on. But as you can tell, there weren't a lot of Christmas decorations to hang, so my dad didn't have a need to start decorating too early. Now, inside the house wasn't too much different. We didn't have a lot to put out, but we did have things that we put out. My parents had found a two-foot-tall stuffed Santa Claus, and that was on the couch every single year for as long as I can remember. That was one of the traditional things that we put out. He had a plastic face and plastic hands and plastic boots, but the rest of him was a very firmly packed, stuffed body. I don't know any other way to put it, but it was a rigid Santa Claus. That doesn't sound real good as I say it, but we had a very rigid Santa Claus, two feet tall, and he sat on the chair from December 1st through New Year's. That was one of the regular things that we brought out every year. Somewhere along the line, my mother had gotten the letters Noel, N-O-E-L, and she would put those out every year. I actually still have those, too. And we put them out every year. It's one of those traditions, one of those Christmas traditions that gives me a tie back to the things that I had as a child. And we put them out every year, and I remember them. And I remember the times and the places my mother put them. My dad also had a thing for ceramic Christmas trees. Have you seen those? Do you know the things that I'm talking about? The ceramic Christmas trees usually come in green or sometimes white. They're anywhere between one to two feet tall, and they have those little bulbs that fit into holes in the ceramic branches. My dad had a thing for those. And every year we would put out a green ceramic Christmas tree. And we had to be very careful because those little bulbs fall out of the branches. So we had to collect them up every year, put them in a separate bag, and put it all in the box when we stored the tree away at the end of the season. 
And the way they work is the ceramic tree part fits on the base, and in the base is a fixture for a light bulb. And you put a light bulb in there, and when you turn it on, the light lights up all the little bulbs in the branches. And it's really a pretty thing. And my dad really, really loved those things. So much so, and much to my surprise, but he was collecting them for years. Long after I moved out of the house, he was always on the prowl for these ceramic Christmas trees. Now, I couldn't really tell the difference between the Christmas trees, but I'm assuming he put different ones out every year, because when the time came for us to clear out the house, we came across nine or ten different ceramic Christmas trees of various colors, various size, different paint jobs, different shades of green, a couple of white ones, all different colored lights in there, some all the same color lights. He had developed a fondness for these ceramic Christmas trees, and we had a bunch of them. I held on to a couple, but how many ceramic Christmas trees can you use? Maybe, maybe two, because that's how many I kept. But people love these things. We were able to, to sell them at the estate sale that we had, but I was shocked to see how many he'd collected over the years. But they were a big thing for him, so we put out a ceramic Christmas tree to this day, just like my dad did. The other thing we had, and this is a weird little thing that I've never seen anywhere else. I shouldn't say weird. It's, it's a, it's a, my memory of it is it's a beautiful little thing. It's a golden, it's hard to describe. I don't know if you've seen those candle-powered chimes where you put four or five candles around the, the thing. I'm not sure what to call it because there's different things you can put in the center. But there's little fan blades at the very top of it. And the heat from the candle... The heat rises and causes the fan blades to spin. And the fan blades are connected to an axle, as it were. And on this axle are things that hang or are mounted so that they spin around, depending on what the display is. The one that my mother had, had a bunch of little angels on this axle. And the angels had little hammers hanging down beneath them. And as the heat caused the fan to spin... The angels' hammers would hit little bells. So you would hear ding, 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 as the angels spun around. Now, we couldn't use it very often because you'd burn through candles if you used it every day. But it was one of the things that my mother liked to light for the holidays, at least on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And I remembered that thing for years and years. That was another one of her prized possessions that she put out every year. Now, I don't know what happened to that. That's one of those things that disappeared over the years. I'm not sure where it wound up, but it was something that was important to her, and I do remember it. And I remember it so much so that one year, this goes back five or six years, I was at an auction myself, and they had a Santa's workshop set up just like this. It had little mounts for the candles on the outside of the shop and a giant fan blade on the top, and the fan axle went through Santa's workshop. And mounted to the axle are little toys and little elves and little people running through the shop. I still have that now because when I saw that at the auction, it reminded me of my mother's angels. Now, this isn't angels and it doesn't have bells, but it was the same concept. And I said, oh, that's a cool thing. So I had to get it and I did. And so that's one of the things that we put up every year. And that, even though it's not the same thing, it reminds me of the thing that my mother had. And I think that's part of the thing about Christmas decorations. There's, there's a tradition to them. There's, there's a family history to them that it evokes memories of your childhood and memories of your parents and memories of their parents because they may be putting out things that their parents had. So I have these things that we put out every year that reminds me of what I grew up with and reminds me of my parents. And I think that's part of the thing about Christmas decorations. It's kind of a callback to when we were kids. Now, as I said, my dad was not a big outside decorator. 
My mom did more of the decorating inside. I have become over the years a much a much bigger outside decorator than my dad ever was. I put lights, I put music, I put figures, I put everything out there that I could think of. I don't go over the top. I'm not one of those guys who's going to be on the holiday light fight. I thought about it, and I have had my holiday seasons where I have gone mm, maybe a little bit over the top. The one year where I had a large stretch of land in front of the house, and I highlighted the whole thing in light so much so that it looked like a landing strip, and everybody was waiting for Santa to come swooping in and land on my lawn because it was so brightly lit. I have been known in the past to have a blow-up Santa on a motorcycle on the front lawn, something my dad would have scoffed at, but I liked it. These days, I still put lights out, and I still put a good number of lights out, but I don't go quite over the top as I used to. I've mellowed in my old age. But no Christmas decorating is complete without considering the Christmas tree. Gotta have that in there too, right? We always had the Christmas tree tradition as well. That was, as I got older, to go out and cut a live tree. It wasn't always that way. I do have vague memories of going to the place in town, the Boy Scouts set up where they go sell the Christmas trees, or the fire department where they go sell the Christmas trees, and we would go pick up a tree from those guys. But one year, my dad decided to make the change. Now, we were never going to go for a fake Christmas tree. Artificial Christmas trees? It's not Christmas if you can't smell the Christmas tree in the living room. But, Dad, they have nice lights. Ah, we're not getting an artificial tree. And that was the end of it. We never, never had an artificial tree in my house. Not a single time. My dad would not hear of it. Christmas was about live trees. Now, the first time that I remember going out to cut our own Christmas tree, we were visiting my grandmother up in upstate New York. This is one of those Thanksgiving trips. When my cousins were there, when my family was there, my aunt and uncle owned property where they had trees growing. They weren't running a tree farm, but they had a lot of trees up there, and included in all those trees were some Christmas trees. I don't know if they were Douglas fir or balsam or whatever they were. They had a bunch of them up there. I was too little to care. I just knew it was a Christmas tree. Now, if you've ever seen the movie National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, when they're going out for the tree way out in the woods, crawling up hills, that's where we were going. We were going way up in the sticks to go find these trees. And don't forget, we were a long drive from home, so we were finding a Christmas tree, and we were going to have to strap it to the roof of the car and drive it about seven hours to get it home. But it was a live Christmas tree, and we picked it ourselves, and we cut it down, and that was good enough for my dad. So I remember it was snowy, it was cold, and I remember hiking through the woods till we found just the perfect tree. I don't have a lot of memories of it because I was real little at the time, but that was the first time we went out and cut down our own Christmas tree. And after that, that became the family tradition. We had to have a weekend where we would go to one of the local Christmas tree farms and cut down our own Christmas tree. So that was a thing that we did. And you know, that's a tradition that I've passed on to my kids too. For many, many years, we went out to the Christmas tree farms and cut down our own Christmas trees. It was a thing. You set the day aside and you went out to the Christmas tree farm and you brought your own saw because you didn't have to rent a saw that way. You bring your own saw and you wander through the fields until you find a tree that you like. And a lot of the places around us up here in New Jersey have hot cocoa and hot cider and cookies and cake inside the little hut where you can warm yourself up before you go out and cut down your tree. So that became part of my family tradition for many years until, and my dad would kill me, until I decided, you know, it's too damn cold to go out and cut down trees in December. And there's pine needles everywhere for literally months. So don't tell my dad, but I got an artificial tree about five years ago and I'm still using it to this day. It's beautiful. 
It looks good every year, and it doesn't leave pine needles anywhere, so don't tell my dad. But the live Christmas tree was always super important to my dad, so that's what we did. Now, it was funny, after all of the kids moved out of the house, my dad still insisted on going out and getting a live Christmas tree, but for some reason, the size of the trees got smaller. When I was a kid, the trees were always six to seven feet tall. There was always the wrestling match getting it into the Christmas tree stand because we didn't have those self-setting Christmas tree stands. There was hooks and there was screws and nuts and I don't know what it was because I, I was too little to try to fix it and fuss with it and make it work. All I remember is my dad wrestling with a tree in the middle of the living room trying to get the damn thing to stand up and he could never get it on the first try. But that was part of the ritual too. It's all part of the process and he that was his thing. He did it. But as the years went on, the trees went from six feet to five feet to four and a half feet. There was a point there where the trees were a little more than a shrub, but my dad wanted to have a tall tree, so he would put the shrub on what he called the Christmas tree table. He had a special table. (laughs) As I sit here thinking about it, it makes me laugh again. He had a Christmas tree table, so he could put his little four-foot tree on top of the table to make it look like a six-foot tree. And then he had a beautiful... (laughs) He had a beautiful tree skirt that would reach over the base of the tree and then down to the floor to make it look like it wasn't up on a two-foot-tall table. But that was his thing. He wanted his live tree shrub, and we were able to see all the traditional Christmas tree decorations on the little tree shrub. And that was one of the things that I delighted in abusing my dad about. Well, lovely tree shrub this year, Dad. It was just one of those things that, that he had to have. It was such a dad thing, and it makes me laugh thinking about it. But the thing that makes me laugh the most is the gizmo that he bought one year. This is a hard thing to describe. One year, and I don't remember what year it was. I just remember I was very, very young. He had found a thing called the snowmaker. It's a Christmas tree snowmaker. And he wanted to put that on the Christmas tree because he wanted to make it look Christmassy. Now, what the snowmaker is, is this. Imagine your Christmas tree on its Christmas tree stand, sitting in the middle of your living room. What the snowmaker was, was a gizmo where you would take that Christmas tree in its stand and put it in what was, in effect, a giant bowl. The bowl was made of cardboard, the one that we had. It was made of essentially just a cardboard box. It was a white cardboard with green and red trim painted on it, but it was nothing more than a giant cardboard bowl. As part of this gizmo, there was a tube that you would feed up through the center of the tree. At the bottom of the tube, at the base where the stand was, was a little vacuum motor. At the top of the tube was a tree topper in the form of an angel, and it fit on the top of the tube with a space between the top of the tube and the angel. Then what you would do is you would take a bag of little white pellets made of styrofoam and fill this bowl with the pellets. Then you'd turn the motor on, and it would suck the little pellets up through the tube and they would spray off the bottom of the angel at the top of the tree and then sprinkle down on the tree to make it look like it was snowing. So essentially, you put your tree in a bowl, filled the bowl with snow pellets, turned it on, and it would snow on your tree. Conceptually, I think it's a kind of a nice idea. Oh, look, the tree's snowing. But the reality of the situation is you have a ginormous cardboard bowl sitting in your living room that is bigger than the tree base-wise because it has to be big enough to catch all of the snow that flies out of the angel as you turn the motor on. And 
you have little white styrofoam pellets floating through the air in a house with a dog and a cat and three kids. And I mentioned it sounds like a vacuum cleaner. It sounds like a vacuum cleaner. A very small vacuum cleaner, but still, you turn it on and you've got a motor going. So imagine, if you will, the sound of a hairdryer or a small vacuum cleaner, like a dirt devil, whirring all night long to make it look like you have snow on your tree. Again, conceptually, great idea. In practice, it wasn't my dad's favorite gizmo. Let's just leave it at that. Now, if you've listened to previous episodes of the podcast, you know my dad didn't like to get rid of anything. We saved everything. We saved two of everything. We saved five of everything. When I cleaned out the house after he was gone, there was five broken vacuum cleaners in the basement. Why? Because, as my dad used to say, well, you never know when you're going to be able to use a part off of one of these. So he saved everything. The one thing he never saved was this snow machine for the Christmas tree. I remember we used it one year. I don't remember ever seeing it again. And I don't remember seeing the box anywhere in the house ever again. It must have been so annoying to my dad. He must have hated that thing so much that he just got rid of it that one after that one year. But I still remember it. Oh boy, do I remember it. You know, I think if you go visit the house now, you can still find little styrofoam snow pellets somewhere in the house. And if you search for Christmas tree snow kits online right now, you can find them. They've upgraded the bowl that you put your tree in these days. Now it looks more like an inverted umbrella. So instead of a giant cardboard box for your, for your Christmas tree, now you just put it in a giant umbrella. It's a festive green, but it's still putting your Christmas tree in the middle of a bowl and sprinkling styrofoam pellets on it. Great in concept, not so much in practice. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Storytime. Thank you so much for listening. It's always a pleasure to have you here. I can't thank you enough for the support that you give me and the time that you spend listening to my stories. It means a lot that you take the time to do that. Until next time, you take care of yourself. And I'll see you when I see you.